Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 1-13, called The Royal Physician. When the multitudes ate saw this, they were filled with awe. Wouldn't you be if you were there? And glorified God who had given such authority to men. I think that last part tells us they don't really know who Jesus is yet. But the glory is good. Luke's gospel tells us they were filled with astonishment and fear. They said to one another, we've seen remarkable things today. Mark 2.12 says, we've never seen anything like this. But there's an irony here that you need to hear about. Later, in a couple of chapters, Jesus will condemn the city of Capernaum for their unbelief. He will say, and you, Capernaum, if the miracles done in you would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes a long time ago. But you, nope. You know, just because you see a miracle doesn't mean that you're going to become a believer. Lazarus was called out of the tomb and the religious elite were still trying to figure out how to get rid of Jesus and Lazarus, John 11. So just, you know, I know a lot of people say, if I just saw one miracle, I'd be a believer for the rest of my life, would you? Or would you be looking for the next miracle? And I think that's what happens in a lot of modern so-called faith. It's always the next thing. Brothers and sisters, look, I love to see God do supernatural things and he does do them. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And trusting God is going to include when you don't understand and when you don't see everything you want to see and you still walk by faith. In Hebrews 11, we just began the chapter on Wednesday nights and we've been introduced to Abel and we're going to study Enoch and we're going to study Noah and we'll study Abraham and Moses. And all of these people in Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, had incredibly difficult circumstances. Noah told to build an ark when it probably never rained before. Enoch lived in a generation that was in such a moral decline that God said, I'm going to flood the world, and he connected it to the birth of a man named Methuselah. If you want to know more, come Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. But on and on through the chapter, it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. And in each case, it's a case study in walking in a world anti-God and still standing. This is what faith does. And yeah, we need encouragement. And yes, it's a, it can be tough. But Capernaum did not, as a whole, really repent, even after Jesus did all these signs. Now, from there, we'll read a little bit about Matthew and tackle the final verses. And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man. See the word saw? It's a... Same idea of seeing their faith. It's to see be, behind the veil, if you will, to see the soul. He saw a man called Matthew. Uh, he's called Levi in Mark 
chapter two. He was sitting in the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. As Jesus moves away from the miracle of the paralytic, there's another man with a paralysis. Oh, he can walk physically, but he has sold his soul to mammon. Matthew would be one of the greatest uh, hated people in the area of Capernaum. The evidence is that he had a tax booth. And they say, when you do a little research on this, that they had tax franchises and there were many tax collectors in the area. The higher-ups kind of did things from a distance. If you were the lower echelon, you sat in the tax booth and you collected taxes from your own people in league with the emperor of Rome. And you were hated by your own people. Another outcast that Jesus is going to reach out to. Another deplorable, if you will, that he's going to reach out to. And so he looked at Matthew's soul and he saw a spiritual paralysis. Probably Matthew had watched groups of people go back and forth, up and down crowds. What did he do now? He just healed that guy. Whoa, what did he do now? He just, uh, there's, there's stories from the other side of the lake and he was right on the seashore. And guess who he collected taxes from? fishermen. And Peter and Andrew and James and John had to say, oh no, Lord, not Matthew. You want us to work side by side with a tax collector? You have to be kidding. See, it's always terrible when we look at someone else's sin. Remember what he was doing? Oh, you're going to work side by side with him. He's going to be one of the apostles. Can you imagine Matthew writing this? And Jesus passed on from there and saw a man named Matthew. That's me. Can you imagine the emotion of writing this gospel? He chose me. He saw my spiritual paralysis. He knew who I was. He heard my soul saying, I wonder if he could save someone like me. I've sinned so much. I have so much filth in my life. So many stacks of money and things I've done to step on people, my own people. I sold my soul. Could I get it back again? Could he forgive someone like me? Oh, more than that, he can use someone like you. You know, your past can often become a platform to ministry. But imagine Matthew sitting there he had really given everything away that should have been near and dear to him. And his name, according to the other Gospels, was Levi. Jesus may have renamed him Matthew. We don't know. Many uh, Hebrew people had two names, Simon Peter. Uh, Joseph is also called Barnabas in the book of Acts. So not unusual. We don't know for sure. Matthew means gift of God. Levi, think with me, brethren. Levi was one of the sons of Jacob, and his line served as what? Priests. Levi, Matthew, should have been involved in the stuff of the temple, handling that which is holy. Instead, he forfeited that line and handled all the filthiness of this world. That was Matthew, sitting in the tax booth, sold his soul like some have done in our time. 
like some baseball organizations in our time, which will not be named this morning. You can probably put the pieces together. And for what? To check a box? To be categorized as something to please whomever you're trying to please? That's Matthew. And Matthew's sitting there and probably wondering. And here we have to say, as much as we see our culture basically almost having lost its senses, our culture needs to come back to the Lord. And there's Jesus, and he calls this man, hated by everyone around him, and he says, follow me. And when, when uh, Matthew got up and followed, I think it's Luke says he left everything behind. That would mean, you know, fishermen could go back to their boats, but tax collectors, you ain't going back to your business, man. It's done. And you probably left all your money with it. That's a commitment. And it happened, 10, that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, this is uh, according to Luke, Matthew's house or Levi's house, behold, many tax gatherers and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. So now Matthew's probably got a sizable home and he's so excited about his call and his salvation, he invites all his fellow tax collectors and other sinners in the community, prostitutes and the like, and probably the healed leper and all the, the people that the religious elite would look down on. And a big old dinner party, and everybody's hanging out, and there's Jesus right in the middle of all these sinners. Can you believe it? He attended an IRS party. Where do you, where do you, where do you want to go tonight? Oh, there's a bunch of IRS people having a party. Let's go. They're, they're serving steak and lobster. I think the whole time I'd be trying to cover my face at that IRS party. <laughs> Hope nobody said, I'm not exchanging business cards with anybody, that's for sure. And there's Jesus hanging out with these people. And when the Pharisees saw it, they always seemed to be like right outside the window, you know, looking at, what's he doing now? I don't know. He just took a bite of that steak. It's unbelievable. Look how close he is to that, Matthew. And when they saw this, they probably found the closest disciple kind of on the fringes because they didn't want to go into the house and be unclean. They said, why is your teacher eating with tax gatherers and sinners? Doesn't he know who these people are? But when he heard this, he said, it's not those who are healthy who need a doctor or a physician but it's those who are sick. This is in the form of a proverb. Where would you expect a doctor to be? Among the sick. Because the well don't need any healing. And I think the well here are those who are prideful and don't think they need healing. And then he says to the Bible experts of his day, final verse, but go and learn what this means. Now this phrase is what the Bible experts used to say to people who were ignorant of their Bibles. The Bible experts, the scribes and the Pharisees would say, oh, you, you don't know anything, son. Go and learn. What, go do a devotion in, in, you know, in Exodus and go, go figure this out. And Jesus uses it on them. Hey, go and learn what this means. <gasps> How dare him? I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Believe it or not, if you have doubts and questions about your Christian faith, you're not alone. The recent deconstruction movement phenomenon has a number of Christians rethinking what parts of the Bible they identify with. But is the movement simply about having doubts? If deconstruction is just about asking questions, I'm just asking questions, I'm, I'm going through some doubts, then declaring war on it would be wrong and actually unbiblical. But if deconstruction is about leading people away from historic Christianity, then declaring war on it is completely appropriate and biblical. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Download the free Walk in Truth app available in your app store today. You can also listen to the first part of this conversation when you listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus quotes from Hosea 6, verse 6. I'm going to take you to two Old Testament passages and we're done. First, Psalm 32. Turn over there with me, Psalm 32. One thing I want to leave you with is the blessedness of having your sins forgiven. David, in Psalm 32, writes this um, probably in connection to his fall in adultery with Bathsheba. And he describes what happened in that year where he hid his sin And it connects to paralysis in this sense. When you look at the word paralysis in Greek lexicons, it has the idea of losing one's vitality and connects to the paralytic. Take a look. This is Psalm 32, verse 1. David, now in the aftermath of having been forgiven, says, How blessed or oh how happy, or be of good cheer, we might say, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man or the woman to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit, no fraud. Think of Matthew. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. You can start to put pictures of the demoniacs, the paralytic right there. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah, whenever you see Selah, it's a pause in the music. This was originally a song and it's two Ps, pause and ponder what you just read. Think about it. How, oh, how happy, how blessed. David felt crippled in a sense when he was in rebellion to God and tried to hide his sin. You ever been there before? You ever felt as a believer God's heavy hand on you? Remember, the paralytic is a picture of a nation who needs to repent and come back to God that needs to rise again and they won't seem to listen, at least not their spiritually elite. To the book of Hosea, you say, where's that, Pastor Michael? That's past Isaiah, Jeremiah, 
Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. I'd like you to turn there if at all possible. It's one of the minor prophets, Hosea 6. I'm going to give you time because I'm just going to share with you really quick the big picture of the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is about a prophet of God called by God to marry either a prostitute or a woman that he knew would be unfaithful to him. One that would commit adultery. Hosea 6 is what you want. And God says, I want you to marry her, though she's going to be unfaithful to you. And your marriage to her will become a picture of my love for my people. Though they are wayward, though they commit spiritual adultery on me, though they seem to be so willing to walk away from my love, I continue to love them. I continue to extend my hand. Look at Hosea 6, keeping the big picture in mind. Jesus quotes from Hosea 6, 6, so let's learn what it means. Let's read the context, verses 1 through 6, quickly. Come, 6, 1 of Hosea, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. He will revive us after two days. He will raise us up on the third day, that we may live before him. So let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim, says God? What shall I do with you, O Judah? For your loyalty is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. They're so wishy-washy, if you will. Therefore, I've hewn them in pieces by the prophets. I spoke harsh words to them, if you will. I've slain them by, my, by the words of my mouth. And the judgments on you are like the light that goes forth. For I, and here is the quote that Jesus gives in Matthew 9. I delight in loyalty. It could be rendered compassion or loyal love. It's the Hebrew word hased, rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. It's like in the book of Hosea, brethren, God extends the olive branch to a wayward people and says, look, I'm a compassionate God. And though you continue to be wayward and cheat on me, I'm extending my arm to you again. Would you come home? Would you know that I'm a God of compassion? And I sent my son... And we're going to read about this in Matthew chapter 9, a little later, who looks over the multitudes and has compassion. Why? Because he knows we're like sheep without a shepherd. He knows what we need. We need our sins forgiven. We need to come home. We need to come back to God. But we see another principle in our world and even in our flesh, and that is the principle of sin. And we're intoxicated by sin at times. And at times, it it seems to be the easier road to go it without God or to kick him out of our region or to say, I'm not going to take a stand here because it might be unpopular. And the Lord says this, I desire compassion above your religiosity. I could care less about what you wear or your diet during the week What I care about is your soul. What I care about is whether or not you actually care about the people that I love and I've come to save. And for us, one application point is, Lord, give me a heart for the lost. That's who I was. I was at the tax booth. You saw my soul. And yet you called me to follow you. Oh, Father, help us in this uh, 
reality of knowing, first of all, the gospel, the good news, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven, be of good cheer. We think of David, how blessed is the man or the woman whose sin is covered, whose transgression has been dealt with, who doesn't have iniquity imputed to them, but rather righteousness. Lord, see our faith. We know you see us. And we collectively as a church body want to tell you, we love you and we believe. Help our unbelief and our waywardness, O Lord. We do cry out for our nation on this Memorial Day weekend that our nation would have an awakening, a great awakening, Lord. Oh, how we need it. We are lost and confused in so many ways. But Lord, if we come back to you, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Help us, Father. We know how fickle we can be as believers, so how much more we shouldn't be perhaps shocked by some of the things we see. Oh, we need to come home, Lord. And you call us to be the voice in our generation to bring the good news to people like Matthew and the paralytic and the demoniacs and those who maybe nobody else wants to talk to. Nobody else would even give a thought to. You are the God who extends a hand of mercy. You're a God of compassion. You just stay in that attitude of worship and seeking the Lord. And if you've not had a moment where you told the Lord, I believe, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you've heard the word and you have ears to hear and you want to grab that life preserver, you take hold of eternal life by faith. And the moment that you exercise saving faith, the Lord will declare you innocent. Not because you did anything, but because you trusted in his finished work. Won't you do that right now? Settle it. Lord Jesus, I believe in who you are. I believe in your authority. I believe in your love. I see what you did here, extending your hand of mercy to someone like Matthew, the paralytic, and so many others. And Lord, that's me. And I repent. Right now, pray it if it's you. I repent of my sin and I place my trust in you, Jesus. Maybe you've been a wayward son or daughter. Maybe you are sensing that God's hand has been heavy on you because you've been in rebellion. Oh, just turn. He's so gracious. He'll heal you of your backsliding. He'll bring you back to where you need to be. And Lord, for this precious congregation, So many of them are so active in their faith, so uh, wanting to please you, sharing the good news, uh, caring for others, expressing the gospel in so many ways. Would you bless them? Would you renew their strength? Would you renew their joy? Renew the joy of their salvation, Lord. Let us have a week where the load is a little lighter, our smile is a little wider, And we can just be rejoicing in the God of our salvation. We love you. I ask your blessing on them. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. 
been listening to The Royal Physician, Part 3, on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 1-13. through You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Hey, if you're brand new to the broadcast and you want to find out more about us, you can find out all you'd like to know about the ministry, how to pray, how to partner, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. So glad you're listening. Hey, share with a friend. You can also connect with us via podcast on all the major platforms. You can share these messages if you think this would help out a friend of yours. Walkintruth.com or look for us on all the major podcasting apps and share what you're hearing. God bless you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17, called Religion and the Kingdom. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.